Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. I'm your host, Felicia Hermley. I'm a 12-stepper turned therapist. I'm married and I have two littles under five. I love Jesus, but have had my fair share of struggling with church culture and religion. I know what it's like to be stuck in a restless, irritable, and discontent rut, drunk and sober. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint. Welcome back to part two of From Addiction to Recovery, Repairing the Bonds of Family and Self with my guest, Janice Johnson Dowd. Janice is a licensed master social worker, author, speaker, recovering alcoholic, and mother to four children. She also has a special interest in addiction, working with adult children of alcoholics, and helping recovering individuals repair their relationships with family and friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, so being in that environment with, you know, these women, you know, being in the treatment center and the halfway house and the sober living and creating this new family, as you say, and being accepted, Mm -hmm. right? From where I'm sitting, to me, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> I can I can also see how that can create some, potentially some issues with your, your family. But I see that as beautiful because it's sort of a, a, a an opportunity not everybody gets, right? And I'm wondering here about this process because it sounds like this was a great place to get like a foundation. Mm-hmm. for your recovery and your sobriety and i'm wondering if if there's almost like it seems like there's this bridge here uh, that i'm sensing there's this bridge between this period of time and reconnecting with family mm-hmm. you know where where did you have some turning points or aha moments or just big decisions that needed to be made just this 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 hard i'm 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 just imagining this bridge so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but if you could sort of talk about that bridge between treatment and that reconnection. Absolutely. Maybe even if if this is a good place to tie into your book, I don't know, uh-huh. um, you can go ahead and and do that as well. Okay. Well, the short version is, you know, I hadn't been investing the same time and energy into my family at home. And I could have been, I could have been more real. I could have made more of an effort. I could have lots of things I could have done. But the turning point was that I got kicked out of my halfway house. I I got kicked out for something that I didn't do. And it was shocking to me. It really threw me for a loop. I, uh, I lost my family. I lost my second family. And I found myself theoretically homeless. My, my sponsor let me move in with her for a week while I figured out a new place to live. I knew that I couldn't go home at that time because recently we had started making efforts to reconcile with the family and there was a lot of anger and frustration from my side and from my uh, several of my family members' sides. So I 
when I got kicked out, didn't feel like I could go home. So I struggled to find a new place to live. I got rejected by a couple of halfway houses, which kind of blew my mind. I'm the perfect recovering patient. Um, but all in all, that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. I did find a place to live, but I really felt spiritually homeless for a couple of months. And then I slipped into a really deep, dark depression because that was the moment that forced me to see that I did not have a family. I mean, I didn't have my recovery family. I still had the 12-step meetings and my sponsor and things like that, but I didn't have the people in my life day to day who affirmed me. And I didn't have my family at home. And I realized that so much of my identity was being a mom, a mother figure. And that's when I saw so I'm five, six months sober. And that's when it hits me like, oh my God, I have abandoned my kids. I slipped into a depression for a couple of months, um, started making some efforts in repairing those relationships. The key thing for me, and this is not going to be true for everyone, but the key thing for me is I finally agreed to look at my own adult child of alcoholic issues and how those traits were impacting my role as a parent and a mother and a wife. So with time, I mean, I had to at this point, and my sponsor, she's still my sponsor. She's amazing. But uh, when we saw the hole that I dug myself in, uh, we both kind of made it our mission to like, like, so she was like, she pull over the woman who had destroyed their relationships with her kids. And she's like, come here, you got to come talk to Janice. You got to get some, give her some advice, get feedback. So, so I did multiple things at first to try and figure this out. First of all, I made clumsy mistakes with my kids and my husband and my extended family. I, um, but I reached out, talked to my friends and peers in the program. I talked to uh, the woman I'd gone to treatment with who had returned home and had children. And one of my really good friends set up a time for me to talk to her two boys who were the ages of my two younger boys. And these kids were amazing. And they helped me to see things about myself and our relationship, overcome my denial about things that I'd done to hurt them. Um, and so I, then I continued to talk to other, you know, young people that are in recovery or were coming to our meetings or were coming to that. I started attending Al-Anon um, and talking to those people. I mean, I made a conscious effort to figure it out. I also, because the social worker and me, you know, I read everything. I switched my focus from being primarily how to stay sober to how to repair your relationships with your kids. And I found that there's just not good information out there, which evolved. And when I finally got on the other side of all of this and had repaired my relationships, I'm 10 years sober now. And Congratulations. Um, yes, I, um, I have better relationships with my kids than I could have ever imagined. Just amazing. Um, 
the first child didn't really start talking to me until I was a year and a half sober though. Because if you think I spent the six first six months being superficial and not appearing very sincere or sorry about what I'd done. And then I spent the next year through trial and error figuring out what I had done. So when I finally got into the other side of that, it took to four years to get my one of my sons trying to keep them anonymous before I I could say I saw improvement in our relationship, which I like sharing that because I, I know I'm not the only person out there who's destroyed relationships with our kids. I saw it with the woman I went to the halfway house with. I see it in the rooms now. Just last week, there's a gentleman who's 10 years sober and still only like two of his family members talk to him. And in my head, I was like, I can help you with this. Let me, you know, let me give you some guidance. I didn't do that, of course, but, um, <laughs> but anyway. you held back. <laughs> yes, I did try and be appropriate. But so the bottom line is when I got to the other side of it, I could see that I wasn't alone. It became my mission to like bring it up, raise it up. Whenever I was the speaker, that would be the focus of my discussion parents. Whenever I volunteered um, before COVID, I volunteered a great deal at several different treatment centers and speaking, you know, as a speaker, and I always brought up the issue of kids. And it just naturally evolved into a book. COVID was great in that I had a lot of time. Um, I got laid off from my job and really started working at it. And, um, and it's finally coming to be. So I have a publisher now. I don't have a release date, but um, I'm really proud of the book because I I know there's a ton of people out there who've given up trying to repair relationships with their children or parents or partners, you know, and I think there's hope. I think there's lots of hope. It begins with communication. So I'm going to pause for a moment and see if you have any more questions. Sure. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to get into, I guess, to end a a little bit more about your, maybe your book journey, your, that repair work. You know, you said it starts with communication. And I know that with the, the limited time we have on a podcast, there's so much of your journey that just can't be said right in this, in this period of time. There's so much I'm sure it was it was such a, a a long process. You said that you've been sober for ten years, and you tried to do this research to figure out how to repair relationships and having a hard time finding that. And it almost sounds like the lack of that information set you out on this mission to write the handbook of how to repair relationships in in recovery. Right. So if you could say more about that repair work that mm-hmm. you've done. And I love the fact that this is something that you are passionate about, something that you want to give back to other people, recognizing that this is an area that there's not too much information, but there's so many parents in recovery trying to get sober. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I'm doing on this podcast. You know, I think that it it is important to group us together as parents in recovery and and how do we live life how do we live life sober and overcome things and repair relationships so if you could just say more about that process of of the relationship repair and um 
yeah, I, I guess that that's that's it there. So you do a great job of summing things up. Thank you so much. <laughs> you make me proud of myself. Okay, so I'm a very organized person. And I have a list of the things that I think were really important. Some of it are from the very beginning. Perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop okay. you right here. I love that you have a list. So for those of you listening that like lists and have a, a notepad close by, if you want to, you know, take note of this list, here's your time. Go go get your notepad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. Well, I think it begins from the very, you have to start from the very beginning. And um, I went into treatment with very unrealistic expectations. I was naive. I you know, it's just like in a meeting when they say, look for the similarities, not the differences. So from the get-go, when, I mean, I walked in with terrible guilt and shame, but when I heard parents say, oh, I was arrested because I left my child in the car and da-da-da-da, I would be like, in my mind, I'd go, oh, I didn't do that. I'm not as bad which leads me to one of the most important things of all. And that is you can never judge your child's pain. You can never say to them, it wasn't that bad. It could have been worse. Or things like, no, 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 you don't understand. I did it for this reason. So I get to sum that up on on my list is, is you've got to honor and validate their feelings, their experience. And I didn't do that initially. I was really wrapped up in making excuses for, you know, why I drink. I drink because I'm stressed. I drink because, you know, like get four hours of sleep at night. You know, I need an ambient and a glass of wine to go to fall asleep. Um, Yeah. So you got to be honest with yourself and with your kids. I think one of the things that I could have done earlier on was involve them in the decision-making. I was so afraid of being rejected. I did involve my husband with the very first, when they said, Oh, we want to keep you here for eight weeks instead of four weeks. I um, involved him hoping that he go, no, no, come home, come home. But he was like, if you need it, stay. Um, But I, and after that point, I, uh, didn't involve them in any of the decisions. And I didn't even to the point. So this is the, where the communication is. I think if I just would have said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. What questions do you have about that? I know my oldest child, well, both of my older children were in college at that time, but um, he had a lot of questions and I kind of brushed them off. Like, how long are you going to be there? Why are you there? What's going to happen? Are you and dad going to get divorced? I would be like, oh, no, no. Let's just get, you know, here's where you take the program. I got to stay in the present. I got to take this one day at a time. Everything's going to work out. As opposed to saying, well, what concerns do you have? What questions do you have? You've leads into the next one. You got to care about your kids' feelings, thoughts, and opinions about what's going on with you because it can be anything from relief, like, oh, now we know she's not going to get killed driving the car, to anger. She's not preparing our lunches for school, and I'm stuck with Lunchables. You know, so again, I guess that goes back to honoring their feelings. 
Okay. And there is a little tricky situation. I think it's really important to focus on the present. And this might be more of a therapeutic school, I mean, tool that it is important to stay in the present, but you got to allow your kids in particular to bring up the past from time to time. Doesn't mean you have to dig up all of the old money bones, but you've got to acknowledge that that's the past and let them know that you will address it again. Um, Okay. So let's see. I'm looking at my list. I think a really important thing is the amends and apology part, taking ownership of the mistakes that you've made. I have in the book a well, again, my sponsor, she was a teacher. So like she gave me handouts on how to do my fourth step on how to do my eighth and ninth steps. Everything was a class with her. And, um, and so I include that in my book. I think a really good solid amends is important. I think that uh, I personally procrastinated on it because I had this fantasy that everything was going to be good. But I think there's things I could have done along the way and said, I know that I caused you a lot of pain. I feel really bad about that. I'm sorry. And I'm going to make it up to you as best I can. We, I want to address a good amends with you and explain to them what that is. And then set up a time to do it uh, when you're ready. And when they're ready to hear it, I think you got to meet your kids where they are. I mean, if they're not ready to talk about a particular issue or topic, you got to honor that. For instance, when I first started coming home for home visits, I I was very, very proud of my NA key tags attached to my purse. Super proud. And I was just daring people to ask me what those were. So I could go, I'm six months sober. I'm nine months sober. I'm 18 months sober. But my kids were mortified by it. And um, it took a minute for me to realize that I had to be like, okay, we're around them. I'm going to take those key tags off my purse. Even though it's a sense of great pride for me, it's a sense of embarrassment for them. So I had to meet them where they are. I try to honor their anonymity, done that in the book to a good deal. Some of my children still have friends who don't know that I'm alcoholic. They prefer it that way. And um, sometimes it's hard because I'm so proud of my experience and being at this side of it. And I'm, I, I carry no shame or embarrassment with being an alcoholic. I don't see there's any stigma to it. But again, I still, whoops, I still have to honor their preferences. I think it's important to have compassion for yourself. I think it is important to have a good support system um, and to not completely, like you have to balance between your recovery support system and your family support system. Because there's going to be a lot of times when you do get rejected by your kids. Uh, I mean, we're human. I still have arguments and frustrations with my kids. They still get annoyed with me a lot. And it's helpful to have someone objective from a third party. One of my 
favorite things. Like when I'm slipping into self-pity or something like that, I'm regressing to some of my old, like, uh, and I'm talking to my sponsor. My sponsor is great. She'll listen to me. And then after I vented and let off some of that steam, she'll go, okay, Janice, let me tell you about someone who's really got problems and pull it into perspective. Still gives me that time to vent, take care of myself, but then tells me what I need to hear. Gives me objective feedback. I think that's really important. Um, I'm going all over the place with my list. I think, okay, so one of the things with smaller children I think is important. And I heard from my kids when they, the younger two was promise me you'll never drink again. I think it's crucial to be honest. And what I've learned to say is I can, it looks good for today. (laughs) I'm working on my problems one day at a time. And I feel pretty certain that when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to start this process all over again. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't make promises that you can't keep. Relapse is really common with us. And if you do relapse, I think it's better to be honest about it. Come back to your kids and go, I relapsed. I got kicked out of my halfway house. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm going to do about it. So that you can't make the promise, but you can say, here are the things I'm going to do to help prevent that from happening. Again, I have a plan is a key thing. Then there are a number of little things I think that are important. And this is good for relationships too. And that is one of my, I got more responses to this on my Instagram page about um, the phrase or the quote was something like, there's nothing better to hear than for someone to say, I appreciate you. And I think that's true. We like to know that we're appreciated and your kids like to know that you're appreciated. So you give them little strokes. You let them flare out. You take some time to learn new parenting communication skills um, and you try them out and you let them know we're trying this out. If it doesn't work, we'll try something different. You know, I'm human. I I think because we're running out of time, one of the things that I want to say that I think is really important and I still struggle with it from time to time. And, um, oh, really important is continue to work on yourself. So I still go to a uh, group therapy twice a month and, um, I love it. I'm always getting feedback. I still talk to my sponsor almost every day. I still work a program. So I'm taking care of myself. It's really important. You take care of yourself. Well, I, I think that this has been really amazing. I the two of the really big things here at the end that really stood out to me that are gonna be takeaways for me are meet them where they're at, let them feel their feelings. I think it's really hard or it's really easy to take things personally. To take things personally and you know, their kids they're allowed to have their feelings, they're allowed to have their perspectives and the way that they experience something is going to be different than the way that I thought it was sometimes, right? <laughs> well, what I really want to leave people with is that there's hope. And sometimes it may take a long time. Four years seemed like a long time. Um, but I'll share this. So when my kids were little, I was the fun mom. Again, thank God I didn't. The two older children didn't 
from, I didn't start drinking until they were in their teenage years. So they have lots of happy memories as me, as a mom. And I was the fun mom. I was the mom who would drive very, very long around, who would carpool and do all of those things. But as my drinking got bad, my kids stopped classic, inviting their friends to the home. So uh, it was um, when I was four years sober, Super Bowl Sunday, one of my children said, hey, can I invite kids to the house? And that to me made my day. And I was so happy about it that I wrote about it. And I, I've always been a journaler and a writer. That's some of the ways I did it. But, but I submitted that story to the Grapevine magazine, which if you're listening, the Grapevine magazine in a nutshell is like a meeting in paperback. People send in stories of, well, all kinds of stories, but you know, positive, your experience, strength, and hope. Um, jokes, riddles, and it was accepted. And I think, uh, and it got published. And I think my child, who still is, I have to really honor their anonymity and amongst their friends and stuff, is extremely proud of the fact that that's an event that occurred between the two of us, a positive uplifting event. And now it's a, a, a tool for others. Oh, service work. That's part of what I was going to say earlier. Service work is really important. It's a big part of my recovery. And um, there was a period of time where I felt terribly guilty and ashamed that I had failed as a parent. And what my therapist reminds me, and whenever it comes back up, is that she says that the lesson I'm teaching my kids now about overcoming difficulties Becoming real and honest, willing to make changes is probably the best lesson. So in terms of the hope, I know you might be struggling. You might think you'll never, that your 14-year-old daughter will never speak to you again. They will. And if you continue to work your program and continue to improve, you're teaching them a lesson that's much more valuable. I mean, we want to break the cycle of family dysfunction. And that is a great way. That's how you can turn this negative thing into something positive. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you. you. I appreciate the time that you took out to to meet with me the time that you've taken to write your book and every, all the, all the hours you put into that and I'm really looking forward to your release date looking forward to getting my hands on that book and um yeah thank you just so much for for being here and sharing such great great wisdom I'm I'm really looking forward to your book so thank you and thank you I appreciate you for doing this this is great and being patient with me thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed today's episode before you go, please subscribe and leave a five-star written review. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. If you're interested in emotional sobriety coaching, please reach out and schedule a call. Check out the show notes for my contact info and social links. Don't forget to like, follow, and share with a friend. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next Target run. Until next time. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.
stronger than we think we are. So fight and show your strength. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Good and grace from our God. Oh, good and grace from our God. Oh,